thank you that because of Jesus, we have a hope set before us that, that endures all things, that is protected by you yourself. Father, thank you that in your greatness, you are not only the great high God, but you are the God who is for us. Lord, thank you that you have chosen us to be your holy people. Lord, that you are building us as a people into the temple of the living God. Thank you that we have been joined to the living stone, Christ himself. Lord, thank you that in you we find the capstone. We find meaning and purpose in life. Father, now as we turn and we look at the next section of of what your rock, Peter, wrote for us, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are so great and so majestic. And we want to live lives that reflect something of that. We want to be people who are different in this world. Lord, we want to be holy as you are holy. Lord, we want to be you to those around us, to reflect you to them. Holy Spirit, please be with us now. Please use the words that are going to come from my mouth to open up these scriptures and change our lives. Amen. Isn't 1 Peter the most fantastic of letters? It's just, I just, I, I love the way he started with this boom. Hey, day! wow, isn't God great? And he goes for half a chapter on how brilliant God is for us. What a great way to start a letter. Um, I don't know, have you, do you ever write your letters and, and, you know, I sign my letters, God bless at the end. I don't know if you do. You're writing a letter to someone, you get to the end and say, God bless, comma, because he's done so much. Or not bleh, it's the wrong sound, but, <laughs> but just this outpouring of, of praise to God for who he is. And Peter's gone on and we followed with him and he's, he said, wow, isn't God so great? Isn't he done so much for us? There's hope set before us. Therefore, uh, the second half of chapter 1, let us live holy lives. Let us seek to be as Jesus is. God said to the Old Testament Israelites, Be holy, for I am holy. And He says the same thing to us today. And then we saw that something of what that looks like. How do we live holy lives? Last week, in the first half of chapter 2, we saw some more of that. And Peter said to us, Just put off the old stuff and live what you are. Uh, the temple of God. Join to the living stone, the the people who are surviving as opposed to the people who stumble over the message. And last week Peter said to us, if you want to grow in your faith, what you need to do is to dive into the Word of God. And I quoted for us Eugene Peterson who who says we need to eat this book as the prophets did, (laughs) as John does. And so we come now to the second half of chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And here Peter is still on this line of how do we live holy lives. 
How do we live as God's people in this world? And he starts in verse 11 with this, with this wonderful image. He says to us here, we are aliens and strangers. Uh, what did your version say, John? It said foreigners and... Somebody got their Bible open? Foreigners and temporary residents. That's what the New Living Translation says as well. And I like that. I like that version. I don't know if you guys have got your bulletin and whether you actually managed to find the Bible passage on the front there. This is actually a picture of a temporary workers visa 457. Uh, You all know about the 457 visa where we need people to do the jobs that Australians are either too lazy or it's too far north to do. (laughs) That's a very bad statement, isn't it? Anyway, we need the people to do the jobs. And so we put out these temporary workers' permits, 457. And we say to the people, come and work in this country because there is work that needs doing. I'm not sure how, but my grandmother is on a 457 visa. Before that, she's a retiree. Um, And it's interesting because it's a temporary visa. As you all know, I'm South African. Try and hide that from you. I've, I've got my Australian citizenship. For me, this place is home. But when you talk to my grandmother, you look on her computer screen and it's pictures of Cape Town in South Africa. Home is not here. Home is back over there. And she lives here as a temporary residence. Resident. And she loves it here, but in some ways she longs to be home. And I think what Peter is saying to us here, and what God has said to us right through scriptures from the time that that the Israelites moved into the land, he said, you are strangers and foreigners in this world. We are not home. Difference is, what we long for is much nicer than Cape Town in South Africa. (laughs) What we long for is the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to see, because this 457 visa really matches up so well to what we are as Christians. Peter goes on, he says to us here, he urges us as aliens and strangers, as temporary residents in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against our soul. The interesting thing about us, says Peter, is is that although we are living in this world, the world is toxic to us. I, I I didn't watch it, but I noticed on TV last night the movie War of the Worlds was on. Anybody watch it? H.G. Wells, fantastic book, radio play, new movie is not so great, it's okay. But the interesting thing about War of the Worlds is that these aliens come down to earth. And they're taking it all over, and then out of nowhere they start crashing over and falling down and dying. Because germs get in. Harmless germs, we think get in and kill these aliens. It's a bit strange to think of us as War of the World's aliens, but that is what we are. 
says Peter, we are aliens in this world, and just like those aliens in the movie, the things of this world in which we find ourselves do war against our souls. They would destroy us. They would destroy us by enticing us to take out permanent residence in this world of ours. By enticing us to say, this is the best that you can have. Live it up right now. Live for today. Live for today. Live for today. Who knows what tomorrow will bring. Let us eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow. Maybe we die. Those are the microbes of this world that would destroy us. Let me switch images there. If we do an organ transplant on Graham today and say to him, Graham, your heart needs replacing, well, I'll give you a new shoulder. We'll take out your old shoulder, we'll put in a new shoulder. Problem is, we'll have to inject you full of all sorts of anti-rejection drugs because your body will look at that shoulder and say, it doesn't belong. It's not right. I want to get rid of it. I want to undo it. Let's go a bit further. It's a heart that we replace. You really need your anti-rejection drugs there. And it's weird, isn't it? This thing which is keeping us alive, which is sustaining our body, and our own body tries to destroy it. Tries to get rid of it. Tries to say, I don't need you there. You're foreign. You're different. Does all it can to destroy us. Which is exactly the situation that we're in. We are aliens and strangers in the world, and yet we used to be of the world. And I love the image that in Christ we have been given a new heart been made alive in Christ and our old selves are at a war against that it's what we need without it we cannot survive and yet our old selves would destroy us by enticing us to say 457 visa is not good enough Why don't you live it up now? If you have a transplant, you get the anti-rejection drugs. What do we get? How do we deal with, with this attack of the world against us? Well, let me step back a bit. It's not just an attack of the world. It's an attack of our old worldly self. Of the desires within us doing battle against us. Peter says to us, how do we deal with it? Verse 11, we need to abstain from sinful desires. Peter doesn't say, fight against it. He just says, don't go there. Don't go there. Keep away from these things which would destroy you. Jesus goes further than Peter here, and rightly he says, 
If your eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand is causing you to sin, chop it off. It's better to go to heaven with one hand than to go to hell with two. Says Peter here, just don't go near those worldly desires which would destroy you. Says Jesus, if you're there, get away. Whatever it takes, get away. Don't go there. Live as aliens. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Says Peter, as Christians living in this world, we are not to be like the other people living in this world. We are to be different. You, you all know that saying people are living glass houses shouldn't, shouldn't throw stones. Let's change it a little bit differently. People who live in glass houses need to be aware that everyone can see them. (laughs) We live in glass houses. And Peter says to us, as Christians, as foreigners and aliens, you need to live proper lives. You need to live lives that reflect something of the glory of God. You need to live lives so that people will look at you and say, There is a man or there is a woman who is different from us. Who who lives uprightly in all that they do. That's a good aspiration. (laughs) And we all fail at this, don't we? Yell at your wife. Scream at your husband. (laughs) Arguments with the kids. And the neighbors next door go, oh, there it goes again. Do they? Says Peter to us here. Make it your aim to live lives that are something like the life of Jesus. So that when people look at you, they will notice it. And notice he says, people will still accuse us. Isn't that incredible? You can be living the best, most upright life under the sun, and people will come to you and say, you are a so-and-so, you have done this wrong. But Peter says to us, despite this, We are to live good lives. Why? Not so that we will be looking good in people's eyes because they're going to accuse us. No, so that when Jesus returns, when God visits us, people will stand before Him and God will say, There is my child, there is my child, there is my child, there is my child. And our neighbors will look at us and say, Yes, God, you are right to have chosen Richard because I know his life has reflected something of yours. Sorry to pick on you, Richard. (laughs) It's a good kind of picking, though. And they will glorify God because of how we live. Wow. We're not talking salvation here. We're not talking doing good enough to make God happy with us. 
We're talking, living for the sake of other people glorifying God. This is a 457 visa, a temporary worker's permit. We're not just strangers and aliens in this country of ours. We are strangers and aliens who have been given a job to do. And our job is to bring other people to Christ. And our job is to see other people glorifying God. And I I believe we need to ask forgiveness whenever we fail in that. Speak to myself as much as any of you there. What will our family say when God points to us and says, you are my child? Will they say, of course, I should have known it from the way they lived their lives? Or will they say, what? (laughs) That person! Saved by grace. But let's live out our permanent residence in heaven as workers here on earth. Peter goes on in verse 13 to 17 to speak about how we respond and how we react to authorities uh, here on earth. In fact, the whole section, Peter goes on from verse 11 in chapter 2 to the end of chapter 3 about living Christian lives uh, and how that looks in this world. We're just going to look at the first part here, submitting ourselves to to rulers and authorities here on earth. You see, what Peter has just said to us is that we need to live upright, godly lives. He said to us last week, Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Peter says, Live upright lives, and part of that means obey the law. Obey the authorities. It's not just in terms of our moral uprightness. Peter is saying as Christians... We should be upright in all that we say and all that we do. As you know, if, if the people that Peter was writing to refused to obey the Roman law, their friends and their neighbors would look at them and say, Ha! I thought you were supposed to be good people, but you're not. I'm better than you. And the same is true of us today. So Peter says to us in verse 13 that we are to submit to every authority instituted among men for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as a supreme authority or governors sent to punish those who do wrong, commend those who do right. Says Peter, we need to subject ourselves to the law. doesn't it? Aren't we freed men? Aren't we citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Exactly. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are free and yet we are temporary residents here. And so we have to obey the laws of this land. My grandmother is a South African permanent resident, a temporary resident here in Australia, but if she doesn't obey the laws of Australia, 
she'll get kicked out. We won't get kicked out because the world can't do that to us. And yet we must obey the laws of this land. Why? Not because they're so brilliant, but because they are subject to God. Notice what Peter said in verse 13. He said, do this for the Lord's sake. Because it is God who is ultimately in command. God who is ultimately in charge. Remember Jesus as he stood before Pilate. And Pilate said to him, are you a king? And Jesus says, yes. And in that conversation, Pilate starts speaking about authority. And says to him, don't you realize that I have the power to take your life? You remember Jesus' response to him is, you only have that power and that authority because God has given it to you. Says Peter, we are to live as aliens and temporary residents here on this world, subject to the rulers of this world. Why? Because they are ultimately subject to God himself. What about the people living in Syria? The Christians living in Syria, what are they to do? What about the people, the Christians who lived under any totalitarian regime? Mussolini. What about Christians in China? Or Christians in India? being killed by that regime. What are they to do? You know what, we miss it, but it's important to know when the book of Peter, this letter was written. This letter was written about three years in to Nero's persecution of the Christian church. (laughs) And suddenly... These verses take on a very different light, don't they? Because Peter's writing to the church, and he's not saying, Oh, you've got a great government, they're all for you, there's freedom of worship, isn't it fantastic? And Peter's writing and saying, You are being persecuted by these authorities, and yet for the Lord's sake, subject yourselves to them, serve them. Of course, not in all things, Peter himself uh, said to the Sanhedrin in, in early part of Acts, who are we to serve, God or people? God comes first, but in as much as we are able, we are to obey those who God has placed in authority over us. Why? Well, says verse 15, to silence those foolish people who bring accusations against us. One of the weirdest things that I've discerned from movies (laughs) about America is these cults who go out into the desert and they set up their own communities and they reject the authority of the local government. And from what I can gather, everybody outside the cult holds them in disdain. Why? Because they've rejected the law. They've rejected their country. 
says Peter to us, don't do that. Live such good lives that people will see it and just will have nothing to charge you with except lies and slander. Well, Peter goes on in verse 16, and we're almost done here. He says to us, I realize that you are freed people in Christ. For freedom it is that we have been set free, says Peter, uh, Paul in Galatians. Says Jesus, I am the truth. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you are free, then you are free indeed. Verse 16 says Peter to us of chapter 2 over here, live as free men. See, all of this, obey the law, do what has to be done, listen to the king, to the emperor, to the governors, to the judges, to the local counselors, listen to them, obey them, live such good lives. Says Peter to us, well, don't think that this means that you are now to be a legalistic, say, do everything like this. No, says Peter, you are to live freely as freed people in Christ, because your reference point is not on this world, but is on Christ, and in Christ you have been set free. But he goes on and he says, in our freedom, do not sin. In our freedom, do not cover up evil, but live as servants of God. In our true freedom, the freedom that comes from above, if it is lived out in this world of ours, it reaches out and it touches people and it brings life and healing and joy. That is what freedom in Christ looks like to the world. It is good news. But if we misuse our freedom... It's like New South Wales. It's the same river, but it's flooded the banks and destroyed homes and taken lives and brought misery and sorrow. Which is why Peter says, as servants of Jesus Christ, let us serve others. Let let us use our freedom to bless others. And that that looks like honoring all people. Treating them with respect. Even when we disagree with them, even when they are violently opposed to us, honoring them. Isn't that what Jesus did when he came down? To save a world of lost sinners? What an honor! For God to come and say, I want you to be in my family. Says Peter, honor all people. But love the brothers and the sisters. As Graham said uh, last week, love is the defining characteristic of the Christian community. Yes, we are to respect and honor everyone, but 
but for those who are family, for those who share a citizenship in heaven, we are to love one another, we are to support one another, we are there to be there for one another. My grandmother has a 457 support group. <laughs> Strange as it is, she does. And they all work together to take issues to the government and whatnot. We're to be the same. We are to honor everyone, live as residents in this place, but to love the brothers and the sisters. Peter goes on at the end of verse 17 and he says, we are to fear God and honor the king. To fear God. To live our lives with an awesome respect for He who is able to destroy both the body and the soul. And yet to honor the King. (laughs) That was such a hard ask for them back then. Maybe it's hard for us today. I don't know where you are. Honor the guy who wants to kill you is what Peter is writing. That's huge. He goes on. We're not going to look at this passage uh, right now, but I'm going to finish with verse 22. We should follow the example of Christ who committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Brothers and sisters, we are temporary residents, aliens in this world. We are four, five, seven Christians. We have our support group. It's a brilliant support group because the king is part of it. That's fantastic. Let us live as aliens, steering clear of that which would destroy us, and instead living lives which would bring life to others. Amen.